0: Good morning church. As we celebrate and sing praise of Jesus this Easter morning, I want to start by reading some scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, a reminder of the gospel. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then a bit further on in the chapter, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, it is time to celebrate this morning. Christ defeated death and he rose from the grave. We have victory and we have salvation through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. No coronavirus or anything else is going to keep us from celebrating today. Pray with me. Jesus, you have the victory and we praise you and we thank you for that. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for giving us the victory, and thank you for saving us.
1: Happy Easter, Liberty. It is good to see you this fine Sunday Easter morning. As you can tell, I'm in a different spot this morning. I'm coming to you from a place where death is obvious, and I'm surrounded by signs that commemorate death and signify where the dead lie and i think it is good for us to gather together this morning to hear the word preached as we celebrate the resurrection of jesus and this is where uh, the story on sunday morning began for the disciples and the ladies that followed and served jesus turn with me if you will to luke chapter 23 As you're doing that, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you that we get to celebrate Easter today. Even though we're in different homes, we don't get to see each other uh, in person. We can uh, jump online. We can make comments. And we know that your spirit is with us. It's in each house, Lord. God, bless your word today. Bless um, the preaching of your word across this nation. Let it do its work through your spirit. Amen. All right, this is uh, after the death of Jesus. We're going to pick it up in Luke 23, starting in verse 50. It says, Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then they took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. And this is where we're going to pick it up. Verse 1, chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words. Now I want to ask you something. What do you think was going through their minds? They had just lost their Savior. Their Messiah was taken from them. And it went from a few days earlier, if you remember, Jesus enters into Jerusalem riding on the donkey The people are putting down the palm branches and they're shouting Hosanna, Hosanna. And then in a few short hours, they saw their Savior whipped into a bloody mess. They saw him carrying a heavy wooden cross on his bloodied back. They saw their Savior Jesus being nailed to the cross. They saw their Messiah struggling for every breath. on that cross and they saw Jesus cry out his last breath my God my God why have you forsaken me what we read in a couple minutes they experienced in real time over an entire day and then they dwelt on it for a couple more days so what did they do well, it says in the text, they rose early in the morning, early at dawn. It gives us like, as 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 soon as the uh, nighttime is basically ending, it is starting to get a little bit lighter. So it's not like six or seven in the morning. I mean, this is early, early, when just the sky barely starts to lighten. Well, why so early? Well, probably because they hadn't slept much. They were still in grief. And you know, you know that feeling, you wake each morning after something awful has happened, usually after you've lost someone that you love. You wake up that next morning after those <clears throat> after that initial horrible experience of them passing away and you you, you, you hope it, it was a bad dream. But it wasn't. Well, the same happened for these ladies, I'm sure. They woke up, hoped it was a bad dream, And then they got that sinking feeling that their Messiah was dead I want you to see something in the text that I think is important for us as we're all sitting in our rooms this Sunday gathered about with our families because in chapter 24 it says something over and over and over just something real simple Look at chapter one, uh, chapter 24, verse 1. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the, to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I mean, it's they, 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 they. All these personal, plural pronouns going on. I know what you're saying. Pastor, this ain't no grammar class. Well, hey, if you're going to listen to my preaching, um, you're going to get a little bit of everything, all right? And a whole lot of Jesus. But they, they, they. Over and over and over again. Um, Luke, like I get the point, what you're trying to... What you're trying to say. Like the women were doing a whole bunch of stuff together. They had a lot going on. They were together, but what were they doing? They were coping with the loss of their savior. And they were together. Now none of us have been together for weeks now. Weeks. And soon it'll be a month. And and here's what I want to note. Some of you haven't haven't seen people less than you normally do. You've just been going about your business, and this whole quarantine thing, it actually hasn't affected you much. Why? Because you're kind of a um, not a social person. Let's just put it that way. The virus hasn't affected your interaction with others at all. Apart from stores being closed and, and figuring out what to do about no toilet paper, not a lot has changed for you. You didn't need people before, and, and you don't need people now. You actually like having an excuse to not see people. Uh, friends, that's, that's not a good sign. That, that's an independent spirit. And hopefully, what my prayer has been, if that's you, that the Lord's weighing on your heart a little bit, that you need some fellowship. That that togetherness is important. Uh, if this doesn't wake you up, I'm, I'm actually not sure will. Because what that speaks to is an independent spirit. It's an independent spirit that thinks, Oh, I, I don't need this person. Oh, I, I don't need that person. I mean, it's an, That's an independent spirit. And friends, an independent spirit, it reeks to God. It reeks. Have you ever had to clean up uh, someone else's throw up? Uh, not your own, but someone else's throw up. Uh, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it reeks it reeks that is what an independent spirit smells like to God it reeks and some of you you've been practicing social distancing not just for the last few weeks but for your whole life and it's not just been six feet it's been like six miles or 60 miles or 600 miles and God's trying to get your attention to say hey um, people are important and um, hey um you need people so i want to encourage you if that if that is you the lord's trying to wake you up you need to repent of that like god has gifted us with one another and you probably need to go read first corinthians 12 uh, to begin with because god puts great importance on members of his church great importance the hand can't say to the foot i don't need you that independent spirit though I mean, that's what it's walking around. I don't need you. Oh, I don't need you. And I don't need you. And I don't need you. That's that independent spirit. Others of you are learning that you've made an idol out of people. You're kind of on the other the other extreme. You know, what are you going to do now that you can't hang out with people? Because you've surrounded yourself with people. You need people. Maybe you get you get energy off of people. Maybe you get fulfillment out of people. Learn this. Be quick to turn to God and not others with your struggles. He's the first one you should go to. He's the first one you should look at. He's the first one you should talk to. Be quick to go to God with whatever you're dealing with. And learn this also. Be quick to turn to God for your joy, not others. Okay, Your joy should come from the Lord himself. and And if you're like a people person, and you kind of thrive off that. I mean, you're, you're probably, I understand, you're hurting. I get it. This is tough times for you. But God is wanting to show you that your delight can be in Him, that He can be your fulfillment. So learn this be quick to turn to God for your joy and not others. Also, that. Your joy, think of that verse, it says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, the joy of the Lord is your, not the joy of your friend, not the joy of your spouse, not the joy of your Lord is your strength. And then learn this, until you're content with God alone, until you're content with God alone, you'll never be content. So you gotta get content with God. He will bring you that contentment. Whether you can be with people or not, whether you're in quarantine or not, God alone will bring you contentment that only He can give you. So let's go back to these ladies for a moment. All hope had been snatched from them. Think about that for a minute. Their Savior, who they've been serving, Some of them had been financially supporting him. You know, Jesus was like uh, an itinerant preacher, so to speak. He was a traveling rabbi that was going around teaching people. And some of these ladies supported him with their finances. They had been with him, physically been in his presence for some of them months, some of them years. They had been with Jesus, and now he was gone. The hope was gone. Every single last bit, the hope was gone. So, their Messiah was dead, and he was gone just like that. You know, having hope can carry someone on for a long time. It can take someone, it can give them what they need to keep pressing on. But the reverse is true too. You know, you're snatching hope away from someone. I mean you just take that away. What, what does that do? It leads them to despair. Well, friends, God brings us great hope. God brings us the hope that what happened on that Friday, thousands of ago all changed come Sunday morning now here look at this story again this history that we know so well things are all out of whack the stone is moved right the ladies show up and the stone is moved the ladies go in and the body is moved I mean like what in the world is going on everything is out of whack it's not how it's supposed to be But unbeknownst to them, not only did the stone move, not only did the body move, but God himself had moved. He took action. And he was moved to do something. The hidden plan of God was being unfolded right before their very eyes. And at this moment, they didn't know it. But God was moving. Now, sometimes, I understand, even for us, things can be out of whack. I mean, we got quarantine orders, we got stay-at-home orders, schools canceled, your favorite restaurant is closed, and suddenly, uh, all your friends on Facebook, they apparently have uh, a PhD in the study of viruses. Apparently, they're just handing those out left and right. Things are all out of whack. But God is still moving. Sometimes, friends, God in his mercy will take away things that are dear to us. Why? To expose the issues of our heart. What has God been teaching you? I mean, have you ever spent an Easter like this before? Probably not. Will you ever spend one like this again? I hope and pray not. But this is your Easter today. And what's God showing you? What's he been teaching you? Because God is still moving and he'll take things away from us, things we like to do, to force us to stop ignoring him. Has your time with the Lord gotten better during this quarantine? I hope so because you got a little more time on your hands, right? Got a little more time to get in the word? Got a little more time to pray? think of the Song of Songs. Over and over the woman in that book, I mean, she keeps asking this question in this one part of the Song of Songs. She's like, where's my beloved? Where's my beloved? Where's my beloved? Listen. Don't ignore your beloved God. Because God is right there with you. I mean, He's right there. He is standing right there with you. So I want to encourage us, don't ignore the Lord. Friends, if it's not true if there is no God if there is no resurrection I mean we might as well just leave the ladies that day found out that God had moved and raised his son from the dead physically raised him up from the dead and what did that show what did it show God was fulfilling the promise he had made all the way back in the garden to Adam and Eve. that God was fulfilling his promise that the Son of God would crush the serpent's head. Friends, if that's not true, like if there's no God, if there's no resurrection, um, I mean we might as well we might as well just leave right? Like if that's not true, I mean let's just get out of here like okay man I'll, I'll see you guys later. Are you still there? Oh, okay. Well, I am too. I'm glad you decided to stay
0: <clears throat>
1: because it is true. It is true. You know, if you talk to a, a skeptic sometime, and they're like, "Oh, the resurrection! Oh, the resurrection! Oh, the resurrection!" Uh, here's what you want to ask them: Now, what do you believe that happened to Jesus? And, and they'll probably have something. You know, one of the different things that. Skeptics try to throw out there what do you what, what do you believe? and then ask them this though, this is important. what's your evidence for it? What is your evidence for it? it because the evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming. you know we've got, we've got all sorts of evidence, and then they try to throw out uh, all these you know possible, weird, crazy uh, out of the world theories of what possibly might have could have potentially happened. No, I mean, it's kind of straightforward. And, and we just when you just read the story, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you read what, what Paul wrote, you read what Peter wrote. Like, uh, it's pretty straightforward. The reasonable explanation is Jesus rose from the dead. That That's the reasonable explanation. That's, that's actually the, the easiest one. You know, you don't have to write all sorts of weird stuff and 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 God loved us enough to redeem us and God didn't want us to remain where we were at in our sin so he came back for us my favorite part in this whole story of the the conversation going on with the angels is verse five why do you seek the living among the dead why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, listen, all, all around us, I'm, I'm, it's dead. I'm, I'm surrounded by uh, symbols, these headstones of death. I'm surrounded by dead men's and women's bones. In the background, uh, in this tree, there's even some real small, I'm not even sure if the proper name is headstone, but there's some stones and they're so old, uh, the fading, you can't even see it. Some of these over here uh, go back to the middle of the 1800s. And, and one of those stones back there, it's a little freaky. It's got my initials on it, all right? And that's all that's written on it. <clears throat> but we are surrounded by death. But here's the thing. This right here, right here, this isn't your end. This is not your end. You know what it is, actually? This is your beginning. This is your beginning. If, if if you're watching this, uh, you were born dead. You were born dead, dead in your trespasses and sins. That's how you were born. This is a great imagery. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, if you've ever been at the hospital, like sometimes, like a baby's born, they play like that little baby music or something, you know, to indicate another baby coming in the world, right? And that's all cute and stuff. Um, th- this is probably a better image on it, as, you know? Why? Because they're being born. Into a world of death, they're being born into a world where they are sinners. So this is our beginning—not just at the end of our life, but at the beginning of our life. This is what we have. <clears throat> now, have you ever gone and looked? You know, you're like, oh, where, where's my friend at? Oh, you know, you. Know, oh, maybe they're at the mall, or maybe. I mean, you don't go looking for living people in a cemetery. You don't. <clears throat> this. Is not our end folks it's not the end for us even someday each one of us we're gonna be put in the ground that's not our end why you know 20 times in the New Testament God talks about us raising from the dead because Jesus rose from the dead he talks about us being forgiven of our sins because of what Christ did He talks about us having new life because Christ has new life. Everything that Christ has, he's the author of life. He's the redeemer, he's the savior. Everything that he has, he can freely give to us. That's why when he says, oh, John 14, I'm the way, the truth and the life. The one who is the life can give life. The one who is the way is the one we want to follow. The one who is the truth will tell us all truth. And that truth is something that we can follow completely and accurately with all hope. Friends, when Jesus died, he died for the sins of the world. When Jesus died, he bore your sins on him so that you could be forgiven of those sins. He took the wrath of God upon himself so you didn't have to have and face God's wrath. How does that work? How does it work? Through trust in Christ. Do you really believe that he died on that cross 2,000 or so years ago? That the grave couldn't keep him down? That God rose him up? That, That what he did was enough for you? You don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to have baptism. You don't have to have works. You don't have to have ritual or tradition, nothing. What Christ did was enough. Do you trust that what he did wasn't enough for you? Do you trust that what he did pays for your sins? Because if you believe that, friends, that's going to change your life. I mean, if you really believe it, if you really, I mean, if you really believe it, I mean, it changes everything. It's a game changer. If you're like oh yeah, whatever. no I mean if God did that for you, like that that should cause you to want to seek him or to want to serve him and to love him with everything that you have. When Christ rose from the dead, guess what happened? Death died. Death died. We can have a little little memorial service for death if we want to today, right? But death died. What do I mean by that? Is when Christ rose from the dead, he showed that death has no power. It's gone. He rose. He conquered the grave. Literally. He conquered it. Rose. Three days later, physically and friends. Because of that, the one who conquers death and has life can give life to us. So I want to encourage us. The power of death was stripped. The strength of death was subdued. And the enemy was knocked down and he's not getting back up. He's not getting back up. The Son of God crushed the head of the serpent. And we can rejoice in that. I mean, it, friends, the resurrection day is today that we remember of who Christ is. The Son of God come for us to live the perfect life and to die the perfect death. That, that, you want hope. That, I mean, that's real hope. That is real hope. And that is real life. Jesus is alive. Today we celebrate that. He's alive, not just in some metaphorical sense, not in some some spiritual sense. No, he is alive, physically, truly, bodily resurrected. He is at the Father's side, and the scripture says we're working on it in 1 Thessalonians. We're slowly coming up on it. He's coming back for us. That's going to be a glorious day. So today we celebrate what Christ has done for us. Today we celebrate the goodness of God towards his children. He is alive. He is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your sacrifice of your son for us, that you loved us so much that you said, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anyone who heard these words today, God. Speak to them. Speak to them, Father, the truth of your word, that you came to redeem the lost. You came to seek and save those who did not know you. And Father, we thank you for life, the life that we have in Christ. That you are so good to us, that you love us so much, Father. May we continue to rejoice in your goodness towards us. We love you. Amen.